When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to CLNS Media, powered by BetOnline.ag. Go to CLNSmedia.com slash roll. Use our promo code CLNS50 for 50% off your first deposit. This is July 9th, and this is the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. And welcome back to the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. I'm your host, Evan Marinovsky, and it's, you know, a typical early July Bruins podcast. You probably aren't super invested in Bruins right now. They haven't done a ton of big things. Uh, recording this on Monday, July 8th, so they just re-signed Peter Solar to a one-year deal. They've signed some AHL guys. Um, not exactly, you know, crazy things that they're doing. They lost Johansson. Whatever. So there's not a lot going on, but I think this podcast I did with uh, Mike Petralia, who's this week's guest of CLNS Media, I thought this was a really, really, really good podcast. This was fun. This was funny. This was informative. Trags is as good as it gets. He's been around forever in uh, the Boston sports media scene. He's covered everything, done everything. And we start off sort of having some fun vacation conversation. Trags got hurt, actually, on his, on his vacation. And I think a funny way, I hope he thinks it's funny, too. Obviously, he's fine now. Uh, but he sort of details that at the beginning. And then we get into Bruins stuff, and he drops a huge, hot Bruins take, which I've actually never heard anybody drop before. Um, this is the first. I've never heard anybody give this take before. Um, and Trags just went out and did it. I didn't know about it before. This wasn't pre-planned. This was just Trags dropped a bomb. Um, and I, I think it was a great podcast. Uh, I really do. I think this was awesome. And I hope you listen. I hope you enjoy. Um, so, yeah, here's my conversation with Mike Petralia. And we're here with Mike Petralia, better known as Trags. Trags, what is up? Evan, it's a long time no talk since... Uh, that uh, monumental night of June 12th, uh, 2019, which in a lot of Bruins fans shall not be uh, remembered or mentioned uh, until the season gets underway in October. I think a lot of Bruins fans would just like to go to a beach and just forget that Game 7 actually took place. And I can't yeah, blame them. I don't, I don't blame the media. It's been a while since we've talked. Like, and, 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 cause the playoffs, it's like all this stuff every single day, boom, 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 and then it just ends. And then like, everybody goes their separate ways. So this is sort of a way to, I feel like this Bruins Beat podcast is sort of a way to connect after everything that's happened. Um, how have you, how's your summer been? How, how have you been enjoying yourself? It's been good. Uh, obviously I've been, uh, uh, doing my own thing on the Patriots Beat along with Evan Lazar and, uh, Alex Barth. I've been, uh, Getting, getting back into the Red Sox swing because, uh, they are going to be relevant coming up to the, their own trade deadline of July 31st. And I think it's fascinating, uh, what, uh, their general manager, Dave Dombrowski might do. I also had some R&R time that went mostly, uh, phenomenally well, uh, down on the Cape, Cape Cod and, uh, got some, uh, got my, um, glow in the dark, 
uh, legs a little less white and pale. Uh, so I got some great sun. Uh, had some good bike rides with the exception of one particular bike ride on the 4th of July. Um, an unfortunate youngster, shall we call him, with his friend, also a youngster, um, happened to pull out in front of me out of some shrubs. And I was riding with my older daughter, Janie, who is uh, uh, entering uh, her sophomore year at Miami of Ohio. And all of a sudden, the kid pulls out, and I look at him. And you know, Evan, you know that moment in time when time freezes and yeah. you're like, or slows down in slow motion like you see it in the movies? That's what happened to me on July 4th. And I'm like, oh, no. And I, <laughs> and I tried to mitigate the damage and minimize it. And uh, I crashed right into his uh, front wheel. Uh, no damage to his bike. No damage to the two young kids. Um, no damage to my daughter, except for emotionally, I'm sure, watching all of this happen about 10 feet behind me. Uh, but for my left shoulder, not uh, the same cannot be said. It was uh, pretty wrecked up, uh, along with a lower body injury. Um, to use the Stanley Cup playoff vernacular. So it, it was a rough July 4th, but uh, for the most part, uh, my birthday was the day before. I got lots of wonderful well wishes from everyone across the sports world and personal friends, and that was a lot of fun. So um, it was just a wonderful time with family and friends. So reality sort of broke there. I can only imagine your daughter being like, oh, Dad, you're embarrassing the hell out of me. What the hell? So, you know, it's funny you say that. It she was very understanding. The young kid who I, uh, whose, whose bike, I did not hit the kid. I hit his bike, his front wheel, uh, was very understanding. I was kind of, you know, when you fall to the ground and you're injured and you're stunned for about uh, 30 seconds, they uh-huh. all stood around, hey, do you need to go to the hospital? Do you need an ambulance? I'm like, no, 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 no. It's not that bad. But it, A 10-year-old put you in the hospital, Trags. Yeah, n- let's not hope. Let, let's uh, let's pray that that never happens. Um, but anyway, uh, I, she, was, uh, she was understanding. Uh, she was uh, sympathetic. And she was not embarrassed because I did say, um, as we drove away and completed our bike ride, I might add, a 25-minute 25, 25 bike ride after that incident um, down on the Cape, I was able to um, have a nice bike ride in the sunshine with Janie. What part of the Cape do you go? Mashpee. It was, oh, nice. uh, Gort, uh, to be specific, New Seabury. Wow, nice. It's funny, that 10-year-old did Do you know the area? Not really. But I know it enough to know it's the Cape and it's nice, and you would only stay in a nice place, so I I, I acknowledge that. Well, my significant other, uh, my lovely Jeannie, um, it it was through her uh, incredible pastel and art um, connections that uh, we were able to swing this. Uh, uh, For those who don't know, Jeannie is a very well-accomplished pastel artist uh, internationally, globally, uh, and you can follow her work at uh, Jeannie Smith uh, Pastel, JeannieSmithArt.com. I bet that's amazing, and I bet that 10-year-old looked no older than me. You probably thought you might have hit me with your bike. Um, Except that he had curly hair. <laughs> well, I could, I could probably do that. I mean, I don't think I will anytime soon, but maybe someday I'll have curly hair. Who knows? Maybe. You never know. I mean, I, you're not going to get a perm. 
that's the best story I've heard in a while. That was funny. That was good. That, I like that. Um, I'm glad everyone's okay, though. I have to say that by law. I think I have to say everybody, thank God everybody was okay. Um, obviously, I mentioned we covered the whole Bruins playoff run together. Uh, you are a veteran of the industry. You've been around for, what Thank is you. 20, 20 years? Since 1993, so, okay, so that would be going on 28 years. You've seen a lot of stuff, and you have accomplished a lot. You covered the Cup with two newbies. You covered it with me, and you covered it with Sierra, both our first time with the Stanley Cup, both our first years covering professional sports. I'm still in college. What was that like for you, covering with two kids, basically two kids? Age is just a number, Evan, and I'm not uh, joking. Uh, I I value um, your perspective, Sierra's perspective, and the thing is, when you when there's a significant age gap and experience gap, you you don't look at the age gap or the experience. You just try to um, bounce off each other's perspective on what they're seeing, right? And have a conversation. It's not about, well, you know, you don't know what you're talking about because you've only been in the game, you know, two years. I know you played um, in high school for Framingham, um, got to the state final. I know that. Uh, That's true. I know. Props to the Flyers, correct? Yes, that's 100% correct. I'm surprised you got that. Flyers. Yes. Uh, lefty? Of course. Well, I could play the right side a little bit, but I, 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 my main thing was left defense. But my whole point was – um, when covering it with two guys, two people who are clearly not of my generation, there's still uniqueness to the way we view the sport. And that's really all people are looking for, whether it's online, whether it's on YouTube, uh, whether it's uh, one of our columns. They're looking for different perspectives. So how you see the game and how I see the game uh, based on our vast age difference is irrelevant. And that's kind of, in a long-winded way to answer your question, that's the way I viewed it. And I, it was wonderful working with both of you because you were both professional in the way you covered the sport. And that's all anybody can ask. Well, thank you. How do you think it went? I thought it went very well, actually, considering, like you said at the top, um, you're throwing three people together, uh, and credit John Zanis, our executive producer, He's like, I'm not going to be afraid. I'm just going to throw these three people together and see how it works. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Uh, because it wouldn't be the first time in broadcasting that you put three different personalities together and, uh, it, you know, turns out, uh, not productive or at the, you know, or even worse. Um, you know, we've seen numerous examples of that on Monday Night Football. Uh, but oh. you know what? You know what? Uh, Evan, that's what happens. You, 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 you experiment. And in this day and age of new media, every day is an experiment, right? Every single day that we do this is essentially an experiment until we find a groove. And I think with Sierra and yourself and myself, uh, we were able to find a synergy like a, 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 uh, a chemistry, uh, if you will, uh, at a very quick, uh, in very quick order which I think benefited our coverage of the of the Bruins in the playoffs. Yeah, I thought it went well. I was surprised that I was able to handle writing duties for somewhere else and and and, and video duties for 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 CLNS. Obviously now writing is full time with CLNS, so you can all you can all can look forward to that. Um 
But I thought it went well. I really did. And Trags, you were awesome. Uh, Sierra did a great job. I thought it was really an all-around great job. Uh, I miss it. I miss it. Um, I know, you know, you have other things. You have Patriots coming up that's going to be huge. But for me, all I got is Bruins, and I loved it, and it was awesome. And well, you'll do a fabulous job because of your perspective uh, on the sport. Remember, Evan, it's not how many years you've been doing this. It's the quality of the perspective of do you know what you're watching on the ice. I've always said that. Do you, Bill Belichick once asked a reporter in front of me, um, back after a game, I think it was a Browns loss back in 1992. Were you watching the effing game? Did you watch the game? And that, you know, berating of a reporter or in talking down of a reporter after the game, after a question he thought was ill-advised, kind of stuck with me and has stuck with me ever since my days covering Belichick's Browns. Watch the game. And ask your questions based on what you see on the ice. And, it, you know, if something doesn't make sense or if you n- notice an observation, ask the coach about it. Because I guarantee you, a 100 times out of a 100, the coach will give you an educated response. I will say, though, um, and, I, I, you know, so many people responded to this tweet when I tweeted it afterward. That Bruins dressing room after Game 7 on June 12th was the most crushed uh, dressing room I've ever covered. Period. Oh. Because I think that's where the age and the and the experience matters. Because you've, as you said, since 1992, you've been in a million locker rooms. You've covered every single possible sport. The fact that, like, I remember I asked you a couple times that, and I was like, "Are you serious about this? Like, is that true?" Because the fact, and I asked other people too. Joe McDonald was one I asked. He was like, "Yes, it was." And he's he's mainly in hockey and baseball, but he was like, "Yes." And I think the fact that, like. And I agree. I mean, we went in, Joakim Nordstrom was sobbing. Jake DeBrusque was still in his uniform, just head in his hands, sobbing. Marshan was crying during his post-game interview. I mean, it was it was like a bizarro world in there. Um, well, and, and the other thing, I'd never seen a player sobbing on the shoulder of a PR person. And, you know, Nordstrom on the shoulder of, uh, I believe it was Matt Chimura, and Matt Shimura doing the best to offer consolation, it was surreal to me. I'm like, oh, my God. I mean, not even – just to put this in perspective, okay, the two, two or three other games come to mind. Super Bowl 42, Patriots were in shock. They weren't, you know, crushed. They were stunned. They couldn't believe what had happened. Um, again, uh, the Patriots after uh, Super Bowl 52 against the Eagles – they were stunned, uh, and they were angry because of what happened with Malcolm Butler. Aaron Boone uh, against Tim Wakefield, uh, 2003 ALCS Game 7. Um, several Red Sox players were teary. Um, certainly Wakefield was in tears after that game, and people came up to him to console him. That's the closest thing I would say that I've seen in terms of Uh, of just a heartbroken locker room. Yes, I was in L.A. for Game 7 of uh, Lakers-Celtics in in 2010. Um, That certainly was a stunned uh, dressing room afterwards. But it's none of those uh, compared to what I saw that that night uh, at TD Garden after Game 7. So I'll I'll leave that sort of in my first question, Bruins related to current times. Do you think they were maybe crying because that was it? This was the last run that that core could possibly make. Possibly. Um, I think there's a lot, there was that night, a lot of uncertainty about what are they going to do with a number of key players 
who's not going to be – and you always ask this question after the season comes to an end in the playoffs, right? You know, was this the it, – it, was this the last time for this group together? Well, in pro sports today, the answer is almost always a certain yes because – Turnover is inevitable in pro sports, correct? But in this particular case, there are key pieces that may or may not return based on how the Bruins choose to approach next season and, you know, the next two or three seasons uh, after that. And the number one name that comes to mind in my book is Tory Krug. How the Bruins approach Tory Krug uh, going forward this summer uh, and into next season if he's still on the roster uh, will be a good barometer as to uh, where the Bruins think they can go with this unit. If he's still on the roster, I think the Bruins are all in for next year, thinking that, you know, we add one more piece at the trade deadline like we did last year uh, with Charlie Coyle, uh, and then we could set ourselves up for another deep run into the playoffs because in a lot of other key places, starting with the goaltender, uh, they are as solid as can be. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I mean, I think the I think Krug has a good probability coming back. I know he's been involved in trade rumors like a million times. Uh, over if the he time. wasn't going to get traded during the draft, uh, Evan, I don't think he's getting dealt. I think they're either going to uh, rework the contract uh, in the summer and get that deal done, which is certainly a possibility. Uh, I could go even up to uh, into September. I think uh, I was reading that you know Brad Marchand uh, had his deal done late September 2016, uh, the deal that he's on right now. Uh, so it could go well into September before um, the Bruins uh, and Tory Krug have a definitive uh, story on what their future is going to be. I wouldn't be surprised for Krug to take a team-friendly deal. Uh, you know, Marshamp, Bergeron, Pasternak, they've all taken team-friendly deals, and they sort of emphasize that all the time. If you want to be on a winning team like this one, you have to take less money. And I feel like Krug's sort of a core guy who I could see buying into that. I couldn't see Tory Krug, you know, asking for over seven. Um, you know, I, I sort of see them, I, you know, they're tight with the cap. You know, I mean, they just lost Marcus Johansson to free agency. They lost him for less than what he initially was making, for a hair less. It wasn't that much, but still less. Right. So, I mean, I don't think there's any way that Tory Krug doesn't come back. I, I don't. There's no way. I mean, they've he's expressed he wants to be here forever. They've expressed they want him. And when you look at it, there he's one of the top. And I've said this in like every Bruins beat since I started hosting. One of the top offensive defensemen in the league and he's one of the best power play quarterbacks. That power play, and again, I will repeat this for the maybe 95th time. Next week will be 96th. That power play would not be as lethal as it is if Tory Krug is not up at the top running it. Matt Gross looks okay at it. He's good at it. He's average at it. He's fine at it. But he's not Tory Krug at it. And the Bruins know that. They know that Cassidy has a strength of kind of um, surmising great power plays. Krug is a perfect fit for that system. I don't think there's any way he leaves this team, in my opinion. Um, I, I just, I know they're they're stuck with the cap, but I mean, it's you know who I don't think got talked enough about in the playoffs and his impact is Kevin Miller. Him not being on the ice. I think if you had put Kevin Miller in that game seven, it could have been different. I, I do. I really, really do. Um, your thoughts? I think yes. I think that if he was in that whole series, because yeah. that series was so physical, you know, a guy like Grizzlick, you know, obviously has his, he scored 
in Game Seven. I mean, it was pointless, but um, you know, he's a puck he has, carrier, though. He's a puck he, mover. He's, puck, he's a puck mover, and and he has his uh, his positives. But at the end of the day, a guy like Kevin Miller is probably even though as as injury riddled as his career has been and was sure. this year, he's not most he's going to be able to compete with the Blues physicality, and he'd be able to offer some back. Grizzly can't offer any physicality back. It's it's Matt Grizzly. He's he's smaller than me. I mean, you know, he's a great puck carrier, and credit to him. And if it was against the Sharks, he would have been an even bigger force. But against the Blues, probably not. I'm not saying they healthy scratch him. They probably would have maybe healthy scratched. Well, I don't know if it's scratch Clifton because Clifton is physical. He's fast. They might have scratched a guy like Grizzly. I'm not 100 percent sure. Um, but Kevin Miller would have been awesome in that series. He would have been a huge um, huge upgrade for them. But before we continue on this topic, I want to tell you about my good friends over at BetOnline.ag. They're more than just some online betting platform. There's a lot of them out there, but none are quite like BetOnline.ag. Their approach is focused on the player, and they built their incredible reputation on offering you, the clients, nothing but the best. From cutting-edge technology to enticing promotions and the latest sports betting odds, they have it all. They're famous for their sports book where there are live lines on all major sporting events across all the major sports, including the MLB Home Run Derby is tonight. We're recording on a Monday, so it's tonight. All-Star Games Tuesday. If you want to bet on it, go for it. Um, their live betting feature allows you to bet on your favorites quick and easy and in real time. They have it all. If you'd like to bet on the Stanley Cup games or any of your other favorite sports, uh, use my personal promo code CLNS50 at clnsmedia.com backslash NHL Bruins to get 50% cash back on your first deposit. Again, that's promo code CLNS50 at clnsmedia.com backslash NHL Bruins. If you guys like to keep this podcast free, which I imagine you would, Trags likes to listen, everybody yep. likes to listen, for free, go there and take advantage of this great opportunity. That's bet online. Dot A-G. All right. And do it for so, my man, Evan Marinovsky. Facts. Help pay my college tuition. <laughs> um, hey, by the way, let me, let me tell you how I think Don Sweeney and company view this roster. I think there are three different age groups. They're the trusty veterans, uh, starting obviously with Zidane Chara at 42 years of age. But then you go David Backus, David Krejci, Patrice Bergeron, uh, Krejci and Bergeron both 33. Then what's interesting is you have a couple of 31-year – you have Tukarask who's 32, but he's not going anywhere. Um, I would be shocked if they dealt him. Then you have 31-year-olds Kevin Miller and Brad Marsham. So those are the veteran group, right? Then you have the mid to late 20 group of guys like Charlie Coyle, Sean Corrali, who's a lot older than I think people actually realize – uh, Chris Wagner, uh, they just acquired Brett Ritchie. Um, huge, huge, huge acquire. Huge, huge add to the team, Brett Ritchie. <laughs> uh, you're being sarcastic. <laughs> That's true. Par Lindholm. Uh, and then you've got, uh, and Tori Krug and John Moore are in that mid to late 20s group that are very key. But then, to me, Evan, the key to this team moving forward and uh, I would say beyond next year, because next year I think it still belongs to the veteran core and Rask and whatnot, uh, is the young core. And I really like this young core that Don Sweeney has built, and I know he's gotten a boatload of criticism for how he's handled the draft the last three years before this one, right? I mean, he's just been absolutely torched for the for the drafting. 
But if you take yes. a look at Jake DeBrusque, Carson Kuhlman, Danton Heinen, who has played on the top line, obviously, with Bergeron and uh, and uh, Marchand. Marchand. And then, obviously, the, the best player of all of them is 23-year-old David Pasternak. Then you have defensemen, Brandon Carlo and Charlie McAvoy, Clifton Connor, Matt Grizzlick. You, you've got a lot of young talent here that I think they're very high on, and I think deservedly so. And that's also, I think, why if you look at this group, they've bridged this perfectly because, you know, again, when when, when uh, I think more specifically when Claude was fired, a lot of people said, you know, they have to rebuild. This has been a quick rebuild. They've sort of meshed this, this young crew with the old crew. And I think next year, as you said, might be the last year for the old crew. Um, when it comes to the young crew, I think there's also a lot of pieces to that that, you know, we haven't really got to see a lot of, which Anders Bjork. A lot of people suggesting maybe put him on the first line. Again, I'm of the crew that thinks the first line, the Marchand-Bergeron tandem is so good together. It does not matter. And Bruins stats tweeted out some stat. I don't have it in front of me, but he tweeted out some stat um, about how whoever's next to Bergeron and Marchand just does nasty. They do incredible. Um, and I think, you know, you can hi- not hide, but for most of the regular season, you can put a guy like an Anders Bjork there. You can put a Danton Heinen. They're going to produce. They're going to feed off the Bergeron-Marchand uh, tandem. So at the very least, if the Bruins do nothing the rest of the offseason, you can stick Pasternak with Krejci because they have a chemistry. Dabrowski on the left side. Uh, and then on the top line, you can put somebody uh, next to Bergeron, a guy like Bjork, a guy like Heinen. That's the benefit of having this good young core. I also think something people might be overlooking, and I might be, might be uh, in over my head on this. But Zeno Chara agreed to stick around another year, which I'm all for. He's a captain. He's a leader. You know, he, he mentors these, these young defensemen. Sure. But he's also possibly taking the spot of a young defenseman. And, and, and granted, no one's ready to take his minutes on. But at the same time, they have this backup on defense. Now, again, guys get injured, and they get injured, and they get injured. We saw it in the playoffs. But at the same time, during the regular season, you know, a guy like Erho Bakkenainen, who might be ready for the NHL, is being backlogged. And I'm all for giving Char minutes. I think he's a vital part of the decor. But there's a real argument to be made that maybe, just maybe, he's holding things up a little bit on the back end. Um, I think, yeah. I, you know what, though? I think, to our point, if this is one final run, this is one final run with Chara and Bergeron and Krejci and Rask. And all oh, I agree. And, and I think they know that. And I think... That one-year contract that Charles signed may have been the best indicator of all that, even more so than my barometer theory about uh, Tory Krug, which I s- still think fits into it. Um, but the biggest barometer might be the fact that Zidane Chara is coming back for one more year. I think that's an indication that that Don Sweeney and, and Cam believe that they have one more year uh, with this group, and then they've really got to go heavy on young players. You know, there's only – how many untouchables do you think are on this roster right now? I think it's Bergeron, Marchand, Pasternak, McAvoy, and Rask. I wouldn't trade Rask. I'm not in the crew. No, I, I agree. I, I wrote a not... column on this earlier last week, I believe, that says Rask, in my opinion, is a bargain. That could be its whole own podcast. Um, but that's it. I, I, everybody well, else? I think Marchand's a bargain. 
And I think other teams would see him as a bargain. He's also a trading ship. He's also 31. And I said this to you, um, if you recall, after Game 7. If there's one guy that I think could be dealt and you could get a a lot in return, it would be Brad Marchand. And, you know, a lot of people are going to be, what are you talking about? You're out of your mind. But if you take a look at his contract, he signed through 2024-25, so through the 24-25 season. That is one, two, three, four, five, six more years under club control. At $6.1 million, if he continues to produce, I think teams would take that on in a heartbeat, uh, the right team anyway. And I don't know. I've always thought that, you know, Brad Marchand uh, is a terrifically gifted player. I don't think anybody disputes that. But at some point, if you're going to really remake the roster, you know, look no further than the way Bill Belichick does it in Foxborough. He's not afraid to make deals. And I think he would have even – this is – you know, open another can of worms. He would have traded Tom Brady had the situation been right, you know, before Jimmy Garoppolo got traded, right? Well, nobody to me, if they're a veteran and can bring value back, is untouchable. The only untouchable I see truly on this roster is David Posternock. That's why haven't you written this? A, why have you not written this? B, I disagree with you on Marshan partially. He'd get you a lot in return, but I don't know if you necessarily need all that in return right now. Because, again, they have the, the one year left. After this one year, you have young talent there. A guy like Marshan wouldn't be terrible to mentor these kids. And he's a bargain. You're not – I mean, you're right. You get a ton for him. You'd also get a ton for Patrice Bergeron. You'd also get a ton for Tukarask. But you, you, it's hard to replace the so, high-point production from a guy like Marshan. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how much you would get back from uh, for Bergeron. He's 33. There is that theory that he works in Boston because of the, the, the Bruin mystique and the way he's regarded here. Would that be the same somewhere else? Who knows? You don't know until the deal's made. But, uh, look, Bergeron is, is just about I, – I, he's untouchable, too. I would say Bergeron and Marchand uh, and Pasternak are never going to get dealt. There's no way are they going to get dealt. That's why I was surprised by that. that. Well, I'm surprised that the Marchand theory. I've never heard that from anybody. And you're not even a mainly a Bruins guy, and you're the one coming up with it. I love that. I, that's, well, I mean, that's a, it, it's a fascinating contract because he's 31, and he's under player uh, under club control for the next six seasons, and that's. When you're under club control and you're under cost control, there's a cost certainty. A lot of that appeals to a lot of general managers in pro sports. And I don't know. I'm just just saying. You know, he's certainly in the prime of his career, and the you know team willing to give you a boatload in return. You know, you could remake your roster with one trade. You're right. I mean, well, you're right on that. You get a ton of. Different prospects in return. It's just whether or not those guys pan out. But I guess that's every deal. Uh, right. Before uh, we wrap this up, the Atlantic Division, in my opinion, this is not getting talked about enough. Uh, got a lot better, and the Eastern Conference got a lot better. The Bruins, with free agency because of the cap, did not get any better. They actually got a little bit worse. They lost Marcus Johansson uh, to the Buffalo Sabres, as I already said. Um, 
The Florida Panthers go out and get Sergey Bobrovsky. Horrible contract, but for the short term, not a bad goalie. The guy, you know, they're now in the playoff picture in the Atlantic Division. Uh, the Maple Leafs went out and traded Nazem Kadri. And the biggest, this is, they fleeced Colorado. They go out, they get, um, Alexander Kerfoot, they get Tyson Berry, they sort of lock up the back end. They, they extended Bear, uh, they extended Kerfoot. I'm not sure about what they're going to do with Tyson Berry. Um, again, now the Maple Leafs are better. <laughs> you know, the Lightning were already nasty and coming off a, a, a terrible playoff run. You have the Maple Leafs who just got better. The Panthers are getting better. Um, no the Panthers about- are a team that a lot of people were talking about in the playoffs that could get uh, – had a lot of cap room. They obviously uh, made their big acquisition. They're a team I would keep a very, very close eye on. Yeah, and so now you have four teams in the Atlantic vying for those top three spots. The Red Wings, the Canadians, the Senators, all rebuilding teams. Nobody cares. The Canadians tried to get Sebastian Ajo. It went south. Whatever. Eastern Conference, though, the Rangers just rebooted themselves quickly with Cap Okako and Artemi Panarin, uh, as well as, um, oh, my God, they got somebody on the back end, and I cannot remember who it was. They got somebody big on the back end, and my brain is just blocking it out right now. Well, look, I mean, I think, the winner of the offseason and division of the Panthers. I mean, you get Bob, um, goalie Bob from uh, Columbus. That's a big, big acquisition. You know, a two-time Vezina Trophy winner. You get Strawman um, as a defenseman. I think they are making the biggest push to um, really move to the top of the Eastern Conference. I and and look, they have Joel Quenville, right? I mean, they know what they're doing. Yeah, that, I forgot about that. They have a real coach now. They have a legit NHL good coach. And I just, I don't know. They're getting overlooked. Again, Alexander Barkov, Jonathan Huberdeau, they're tremendous on the front end. I mean, a guy like Barkov is maybe the most underrated player in the NHL. And just what's going on down there. Now you have four teams. And then, as, and I didn't even get to this, the New Jersey Devils go out. They get P.K. Subban. They get Wayne Simmons. They got Jack Hughes. That team's going to be good, too. Again, I know that's a different division, but the East bolstered up. In the NBA, the West is getting better. And the, and the NHL, the East is getting a ton better. And things are not going to get any easier for the Bruins. Who, and what, who's the team we did not talk about? Oh, uh, who would that be? Who would that be, guys? <laughs> that would be the President's Trophy winner. <laughs> Tampa Bay? Yes. Well, yeah, but they haven't added anybody significant. I mean, they're just they're good in general, but they they haven't added anybody significant this offseason. Luke Shen, but mm, not really. But they, yeah. as I mentioned, as I mentioned, great already great team with a terrible play. I mean, they are bound to go to the Stanley Cup next year because there's no story like you get swept in the first round by an 8 seed to, yep. oh, we're so motivated, we're going to go to the Stanley Cup the next year. You know what this reminds me of? The Virginia Cavaliers in college basketball getting shocked for the first time ever of one beating a 16 seed in uh, 2018. And this year they came back. It was a great story. They got scared in, in the first couple of rounds and then went on a run and, and uh, won the NCAA tournament. Tampa Bay Lightning remind me of that kind of storyline. Yeah, that's why, I, that's why my prediction already is the Lightning come out of the East. I don't know if they're going to win, but that's my prediction for next year. I'm not going to make you predictions. It's boring. It's it's July. We're not doing predictions now. Yeah. Um, 
but but no, I just I it's gonna be interesting. I the the, the Bruins are cap stricken right now. They have three, they have Heinen, Carlo, and McAvoy to, re- to resign via RFA. They have to extend Krug. What the hell are they doing with Bacchus? I don't think they should you know uh, they shouldn't buy him out because they're not really saving anything. But again, that doesn't help themselves either because even if they bought him out, it goes against the cap. Right. There's a lot with this team right now. And and, and uh, fill me in. If if you trade him in a package, how does that impact the um, the cap? Well, it impacts the cap is how much they eat. So if they were to trade him, as we saw with Patrick Marlowe going to the Hurricanes, uh, I believe the Hurricanes took the full brunt of that contract. However, the Leafs also gave them, I believe, Two first-round picks, I could be totally wrong, but they gave them a haul of draft picks just to take on the contract. So that's the that's the precedent that's been set. That's what they now have to – that's what it takes now to take a guy – take on a bad contract. So well, the Bruins have all of their first, second, and third rounders for the next three years. So, I mean, they could do it. I doubt they would, but David Backus, man, next year and the year after that signed for $6 million per a mistake and a half. And the thing with that, the thing with that is if you did trade him and had to give up picks, you're mortgaging not only a yeah, ton of cap space, you're mortgaging your future. They won't do that. I No, they right. won't. They won't. No, no. They'll keep him. They'll keep him and he'll he'll fester on the fourth line. They'll bring him up here and there. Um I don't know. That's the whole situation that is just a mess. And it sucks cuz Dave Backus is a good dude. You know, he's a great locker room presence. Uh, Dale Arnold was when he was on a few weeks ago was like you know I think people are the way he's being talked about he's talked about as if he's a terrible locker room guy he's a great locker room guy he's just oh, sure. great on ice. he's just lost his, a little bit of his on ice by the way I might say I'm going to go back on this I think Patrice Bergeron might be more untradeable than David Pasternak but they're both untradeable in my in my estimation I don't think uh, Don Sweeney would trade either one of them and I know you know what. Uh, Don Sweeney said around uh, the NHL draft a couple of weeks ago about, you know, we'd have to be blown away to really pull a trigger on any Tory Krug deal. Uh, but I think with Bergeron and Pasternak, they're not going anywhere, period. Oh, I don't think they go anywhere unless no. Mike Petralli no. is the general manager of the Boston. No, 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 no. Which no, isn't no, no, happening no. anytime soon. What is this I, I will tell you, um, Patrice Bergeron is – Arguably the classiest athlete I've covered in my 28 years uh, covering Boston sports. And I've covered a lot of them, and there have been a lot of great athletes. And obviously Tom Brady's right up there. Um, There's so many other great athletes uh, I've had the privilege of uh, covering. But Bergie, the way he handles everything um, in the locker room, uh, after the game six, Euphoria in St. Louis, I'll remember that, and the way he handled himself after Game 7, you know, it's class all the way. Yeah, it's unbelievable. My first year, I get the saddest locker room, I get the classiest guy, and I also get the classiest veteran journalist to work for. Uh, you Mike Petralia. Trags, thank you so much for joining. Evan, anytime, my friend. Do you want to plug anything before you go? No, we're good. Oh, well... For those who don't know, Trags host Patriots Beat on CLNS. He also track Patriots. Oh, thank Patriots, you. Yes. Patriots coverage is coming up soon, so keep it with CLNS. No better, in my opinion, is no better uh, three-man team than Trags, Alex Barth, and Evan Lazar. Uh, I think it's tremendous Patriots coverage. And, for and we Cam, have fun. 
And, yeah, exactly. You're fun. And, and for a kid like me who doesn't understand all the X's and O's of football, I learned so much last year just from reading a kid like Evan Lazar. Obviously, the perspective comes from you. And Alex Barth is, is uh, Alex Barth, and he's funny, and we like him. So I, I love it. And, again, Trex, thank you so much for joining. For everybody listening, I hope you guys are having a tremendous summer. Go enjoy the beach. Get some sun. Do something fun. Um, yeah, that rhymed. And uh, it, did. For me- it did rhyme. Uh, for Steel Media, I'm Evan Marinovsky. See you next week.